everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Mean Line Media presents the Olivia Fox Podcast. Welcome to the Olivia Fox Podcast. I am she, she is me, and we are here. Yes, another episode. We want to thank each and every one of you to, you know, take time to tell a friend to tell a friend where we are. Each and every Thursday, brand new episodes, and this week shall be no different because joining us today is a professional woman who back in 2020 was voted Canada's 100 Black Woman to Watch. Um, she is, wow, you got so much good. Let me see if I want to make sure I include everything. She's a psychotherapist, a registered social worker, a leadership coach, international speaker, founder, and CEO of Francis Psychotherapy and Consulting Services. Joining us today to talk about mental illness awareness, please welcome Roxanne Francis. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for having me, Olivia. Did I get everything? Did I include everything? <laughs> You did get everything. It's, it's so beautiful to hear that sometimes. <laughs> yes, you know, you have to make sure when folks have lots and lots of accomplishments and, and different titles, I want to make sure that I hit everything because we work hard for what we do. So, you know, you got to let folks know who you are and what you do. So thank you so much. I felt very strongly about doing this show because uh, mental health is, you know, I think since COVID has really taken the forefront in um, the news, with families, uh, schooling, it has touched every aspect of our society. And so I thought it was very fitting to have a conversation about mental illness and awareness and really just to talk about some of these things that are going on where people, you know, will hear about a loved one or a celebrity who has, you know, killed themselves, committed suicide, and people are really so shocked and kind of thrown back and like, I think we hear all the time, uh, you know, I didn't see it or I can't believe it. So tell us a little bit about, um, in your opinion, some of the misconceptions about mental illness that we're dealing with now that I think people really need to understand a little bit clearer. Yeah, one of the biggest misconceptions around mental illness is that that's something that people deal with when they are weak, when they can't handle, when they can't cut it. Right. And that is that is really not true. Mental illness can impact anyone. Uh, sometimes it can uh, impact people differently based on the things that they've experienced through childhood. Um, you know, sometimes if you already have an underlying uh, issue related to trauma, then, you know, that can make you more susceptible to certain things in your adult life. So we have to be really mindful about those pieces. Uh, you touched on, uh, you know, when people die by suicide, uh, one of the major misconceptions around that is that people do that because they're selfish. You know, they don't care about the other people around them. And that, again, is also false. Uh, quite often, people are considering other people when they get to that place, when they feel like they have no other choice. Many times people feel like the world would be better off without them. And so we have to be mindful around some of those pieces as we are trying to support other people around us who struggle with their mental health or when we 
feel like we are struggling with our own mental health. I've been uh, doing a little research, trying to get some background information on suicide specifically within our communities. Mm -hmm. And I'm seeing these numbers for young people, uh, specifically African-Americans. What do you think has caused such a jump in uh, young people committing suicide and dealing with mental illness and, and issues that they have? Well, I must say that over the past maybe 10, 15 years, with the rise of the meteoric rise of social media, uh, not to say that this is the reason, but uh, young people are very susceptible to the uh, the onslaught of images that they see on social media. And there's a lot of comparison. There's a lot of, you know, my situation is not like theirs. I don't look like them. I don't have those friends. I don't have that, you know, that kind of cash. You know, my family situation doesn't look like that. And therefore, I must be the problem. And so oftentimes, young people feel like, you know, their life isn't worth living if it does not look like someone else's. And that can be quite challenging. Another thing that we have to pay attention to is, you know, maybe when we were children, there was a larger sense of community in our society. And unfortunately, today, uh, there is more of a reliance on, uh, there's more of an emphasis on the individual and being able to do things by yourself and being able to to take care of the issues of life on your own. And so a lot of young people, they take that in, in they take that in. And so they don't reach out when they need support. Uh, unfortunately, sometimes there is a lot of stereotypes in our community around mental health. And so even still, when young people do reach out, they still unfortunately get a lot of uh, a lot of flack or a lot of uh, they get a lot of um, pushback in terms of, you know, you're not strong enough. You should be able to handle it. Uh, you know, mental health is not an issue. Uh, this does not exist or that did not exist when I was a child. What's anxiety? You have nothing to be depressed about. Young people have nothing to stress about. And so when they're left to their own devices, things just get worse. What are some of the signs that parents can look out for loved ones when, you know, something happens? And, you know, because of I, I know I realize there are, you know, situations where people attempt suicide several times before they are successful. What are some of the early signs that parents can look out for in their young with their kids? Yes. So when it comes to poor mental health, you need to pay attention to people's eating habits. So whether or not uh, there's a drastic change in eating habits, mm -hmm. suddenly eating a lot out of the blue or uh, not eating, um, pay attention to sleep habits, whether that's sleeping all the time, you know, longer than 12 hours in 24 hours, or, you know, not getting enough sleep, uh, staying up through the night, suddenly having insomnia. Sleep is really a, a big indicator on whether or not your mental health is going well. Uh, then there is withdrawing from family and friends, uh, no longer seeking social connection, um, pulling away from things that you normally do, things that used to bring you joy, you are no longer interested. Uh, having uh, difficulty with self-care uh, and physical self-care, hygiene, no longer being able to have a shower, um, constantly in your pajamas, not wanting to get out of bed, be a little too exhausted to get out of bed because severe mental illness is actually quite physically exhausting. 
And so it can be really challenging just to get out of bed and go brush your teeth. So if your child or your young person is suddenly withdrawing, uh, these are some things to really, really pay attention to. Have they been good students and suddenly they're falling off? Have they been an A student and suddenly teachers are saying no assignments on time, failing courses, failing exams? These are things to really pay attention to. Um, you know, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just about to say that. And as it relates to um, young people taking their lives, sometimes when a person is severely depressed and is feeling really, really down and feeling hopeless, and then they've made up their mind that they're no longer going to be with us, suddenly the cloud seems to lift. So if you are with a young person and they seem really depressed ongoing, and then suddenly out of the blue, they're happy again, they are extremely excited. Or if you find that they are giving away their things or selling their possessions, these are signs that they've made up their minds to do something drastic. That, you know, I just, just the thought of that as a parent, to think that your child is suffering so much that they, the only way they can see themselves out of it is to not be here. I mean, it's just a tragedy. And there are so many parents that have dealt with it and that are dealing with it. Let's talk about um, functional depression. Um, I remember um, Miss USA, this, this one just, just really just shocked me. Uh, Chelsea um, Chris, I think is her name. Now, I remember maybe one, maybe two or three days prior to hearing about her dying, she did this incredible interview with Denzel Washington. And I'm looking at her and I'm like, I remember when she won Miss USA and I was like, gosh, she's got so much going on. You go, girl. And so when I heard this story that she jumped from her apartment, I just I, I was it really hurt me. I felt like I knew her, but it hurt me to my soul. And I remember seeing something about one of her mother was saying that she felt that her daughter was a functional person who had depression. Can you explain a little bit about that for us? Yes. Uh, functional depression is a phenomenon where someone is depressed, but they don't show the re usual signs. So the signs that I spoke of earlier around withdrawing or being sad or not going out, not taking care of yourself. This is more along the lines of, and this is specifically for people who are high achievers. They have won all the awards. They have all the accolades. People look up to them. They're in the public eye. They're, they're winning in life. Uh, but secretly, they are depressed. These are people who will sometimes uh, go in the bathroom stall and cry at lunchtime or go for a drive during lunch break and they cry in the car and then they dry the tears, fix the makeup, and head back to work. Or they go home maybe to an empty apartment and they may have a few drinks uh, because they're so sad. People who are crying in the shower at nighttime or crying themselves to sleep and no one knows, right? These And, and when that happens, it becomes uh, an extremely heavy burden. And, you know, I've heard more than one person say, I don't have anything to be depressed about. And I feel really badly that I am actually depressed. I feel shame that I feel this way because look at all of my possessions. Look at all that I have achieved. Look at all the people that I'm a mentor or a role model for. How is it possible that I feel this way? And so there's a lot of shame and darkness and, and uh, loneliness because they feel like I can't share this with anyone because no one will understand. And so the depression gets worse and it becomes extremely burdensome. Mm. We all know 
I think most people can remember where they were when we heard about um, DJ Twitch. Uh, and I'm on social media all the time. So having seen him dancing with his wife, these beautiful children, and then to hear the story of him taking his life, it was just, you know, it was almost like people were online, like this can't be true, something else must have happened because they can't grasp. I think another reason is because for men, specifically black men, we always tend to think, or I, I don't want to speak for everybody, but a lot of times people think, you know, the strength of a black king, you know, this is the, you know, the leader. He's, you know, got his thing together. He's you know, up here, just masculine. And so we don't think that that it's even possible. So why do you think so many black men are dealing with mental illness in silence other than the shame of it all? Yes, I think, you know, specifically for the black community, oftentimes when I, I speak to, um, organizations, I speak about the toll of Black excellence and the weight of Black excellence. In our community, we celebrate our people when they do great things, right? Uh, you know, you're the one who made it out of the hood. You're the one who, you know, graduated college from our family. You're the one who's making it. And so, you know, we, we celebrate that, but we talk a lot about Black excellence. And unfortunately, you know, it's not it's not that we shouldn't celebrate our achievements, but oftentimes what that says to people is, I don't have permission to be unwell. And I have to carry the burden of my whole neighborhood, of my family, um, you know, my culture, my community. I don't have the space to say I'm not okay. I must be okay at all costs. And so again, it's a lonely road. It's a feeling of, I can only be excellent if there is a chink in the armor or if something goes wrong, if you make a mistake with your finances perhaps, or you know, your, your idyllic marriage, your seemingly idyllic marriage is going sideways or your children are you know acting crazy as sometimes teenagers do, no pun intended here. But Sometimes when these things happen, uh, Black people who are lauded for their excellence uh, carry a lot of guilt, uh, feel that they have somehow misstepped and they can no longer represent the community and the burden is monumental. So we need to be very mindful that as we celebrate our, our kings and our queens for doing this, this great work that they do, that we also create space for them to uh, seek therapy them to cry if they need to cry you know uh you know we have these conversations i'm so glad that you're having this conversation here on this podcast because people need to be okay with as they say not being okay it's okay to not have a, a, a great day it's okay to have an argument with your partner it's okay to you know have arguments with your children it's okay to feel sad sometimes and it's okay to seek support for it and I'm so glad that, that we're talking about this, like you said, because as you mentioned earlier on social media, everything is so fabulous and wonderful and everybody's life is, you know, ooh. And the problem that I have with it is that, you know, and, and we hit upon it many times here on the podcast, we have successful people on, but nobody ever talks about the journey. All we know is where you began 
And now you're over here sparkling like a brand new diamond. But nobody talks about that middle, that dash, so to speak, of what has gone on, what a person has had to deal with, the things that they've been faced with, the challenges that they've been able to overcome. And a lot of times when I look at social media, I just wish sometimes people would just be transparent and say, you know what? I'm not doing good today. And this is why. And this is what I'm doing is I think if people were more transparent and more honest, you know, it would help a lot of people, especially our young folks, because it's just so, you know, we, you know, when we were growing up, I don't know how old you are, but I know when I was growing up, I didn't know that we were poor because, you know, you didn't get to see how everybody else was living unless you went over to their house. But now imagine the pressure on these young people to see how these celebrities live. And then you start comparing yourself. It's, it's just it's just hard. It's just very hard, and very difficult to overcome. You're absolutely right. I agree with you. The world has become extremely small because of social media. We can see exactly what's going on in, in the span of a couple of seconds. And you're right. People do not share the, the sad things, the challenging things. Social media really is, as they say, the highlight reel, right? We see when people are going on vacations. We see, you know, hashtag couple goals, but we don't know about the arguments and we don't know about the challenges of parenting. We don't know about the the missteps that people make in their careers. You know, we don't know about these things. And partly, you know, what I've noticed as an entrepreneur myself, what I have noticed in looking at social media is that people will post that highlight reel because they want other people to to um, patronize their business. They they don't want to show as though I don't have it all together because then people will not uh, will not purchase from me or people will not. Uh, come after my services. But what we really need to understand is that what people really seek seek after, look, look for, is reality, right? We need to start talking about what is actually going on. Now, you don't have to air all of your dirty laundry, but it is okay to say, I'm having a really challenging day today, and so I'm going to go for a walk and try to take care of myself. You know, business isn't going the way I expect it to, but I'm looking forward to a better week next week. I'm going to go to bed early and try to get a good night's sleep. And maybe I'll make, you know, maybe I'll be able to have better thoughts about this situation tomorrow. Let's talk about the the the, the things that we, the things that we uh, ascend through. Let's talk about the journey, as you mentioned, as opposed to just always being on the mountaintop, because that life isn't realistic. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What do you think um, are the ties between anxiety and depression as it um, pertains to leading towards a more um, ser- more serious? Because depression is serious and anxiety is very debilitating. But what is it about anxiety and depression that puts a person over the edge? Because a lot of times people are like, They either have depression or they have anxiety, but they don't understand that a lot of times you can have anxiety that can bring on depression 
or have depression that brings on anxiety. Could you speak to that a little bit? Yes. Uh, some The two are often quite linked. As you mentioned, one person can have one or the other, but quite often people have both. And uh, for people who have anxiety first, what tends to happen, as you mentioned, anxiety can be very debil debilitating. And when that happens, uh, it's hard for you to leave your home. It's hard for you to function at work. It's hard for you to uh, socialize and uh, connect with people, network. Many people end up with agoraphobia, with, which is uh, being, almost being trapped in their home and having a fear of small spaces. And so when that happens, there's often this uh, sadness around, oh my goodness, what is happening to my life? I can't hang out with my friends. I, I can't be successful at work because I'm so... I have so much anxiety around the project or around the the next position. Uh, you know, I struggle with even going to the parent meeting at my child's school. Uh, you know, I can't present myself well. And so people withdraw. People feel very badly about this thing that is happening to them. And it makes them feel very, very hopeless. You know, what is going to become of my life? And that hopelessness, you know, spirals into depression. Now, for people who have depression first, what tends to happen is, you know, they struggle with sometimes joy that many people take for granted. Uh, they carry this weight of the sadness. There's almost this cloak of sadness, this, this cloud that's always over your head. Many people who have significant depression, again, they have difficulty with taking care of themselves, making sure that they're clean, um, making sure that they, they take care of their own hygiene. Sometimes parents struggle to get up and even provide a meal for their children. And so when that happens, there is this sense of, I can't do the thing, or I can't perform, or I can't provide. You know, again, it's this, what has happened to my life? And so if someone says to you, hey, can you come out to the thing with the friends? You think about the fact that you haven't washed your hair in months. Now you have to go have a shower. It you start to feel this anxiety around being in the presence of others. Then you start to feel this anxiety around how can I even show up at work in this way? I can't have anyone over in my home. I haven't cleaned my living room in for four, three, four, five weeks. The dishes have piled up. I feel this anxiety. And so one of those things can definitely lead to the other. We're approaching the winter months. And I hear a lot about seasonal depression. Can you talk about that a little bit and explain to people what that is? Because I know there are folk that when it becomes cold, and not everyone lives in a, a region that has different seasons, but it gets cold or it starts getting darker earlier. And people find themselves like, oh, I mean, just, and they, a lot of times I hear people saying, I'm in such a funk. But maybe they don't realize that they're dealing with seasonal depression. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. So it's an acronym called SAD, which is quite interesting. Uh, seasonal Affective Disorder. And what happens is when you live in an area where there are different seasons, you know, come the end of October, the beginning of November, you know, the sun uh, rises a little bit later and sets a little bit earlier. So your daytime when there's actually light outside becomes shorter, a shorter window of time. And what tends to happen is, uh, you know, especially in the winter months when it gets cold, uh, people who live in an area where it's cold, 
they're less likely to want to go outside during the daytime. And so the exposure to light is even less. And what tends to happen with the sunshine is that it helps with, you know, the feel good uh, hormones in our bodies, right? And those things tend to help us stave off sad feelings, uh, feelings of sadness, feelings of anxiety. We tend to have uh, less of that when there's more sunshine, right? Because it helps our body to, produ to produce serotonin. When there is less serotonin, we start to feel less happy. And so because there's naturally less sunshine in the winter months, people tend to feel that funk and they have no idea what it is. They just, some people have no idea what it is. Right. They just know that they don't feel so great. And it is a serious issue. There are some people who just go into a funk and some people who become significantly depressed. And so what we have to do is be mindful of the things that cause that. So now we're aware of what causes it. Now we can look at how we can adjust for that. And when I talk to people about this, I often say, you know, if you work from home or even if you go out to work, try to stand by a window, try to stand by a glass door. Even if you have to bundle up and get outside for a brisk walk, that will help. Also too, in the winter months, sometimes it gets a little cloudy. There's a little less sunshine that peeks through. They have these uh, devices that are called sad lamps. And these are lamps that you can buy at a big box store. Just walk in and ask for a sad lamp. And they will know exactly what it is that you are looking for. There is a lamp that you can actually put at your desk or you can put it by your bed. And I encourage people to plug it in and turn it on throughout the daytime. And what it does is the light mimics the luminescence that you would get from the sun. And that helps to boost the serotonin. I had never heard of that. I'm sitting over here like, oh, I'm about to get me one. <laughs> I've never heard of that. Yes. And the other thing that you can do is uh, get some movement. So whether that's walking on a treadmill, doing some stretches in the morning, but getting your body moving will also help with the, with the boost of mood, uh, staying hydrated, drink some water, splashing some water on your face will also help with uh, boosting mood as well. I read um, somewhere, I don't know where, probably somewhere online, but um, a uh, person who works uh, in a facility that deals with people that are challenged with mental illness. And he was saying that a lot of times people think it takes a lot of exercise to get that boost. But he was suggesting that people, when you start feeling down, to try to do 15 to 20 jumping jacks because of all the movement of all of your body and getting that heart up. It doesn't have to, it doesn't take a lot, does it? No, it doesn't take months at the gym. It doesn't take a whole day of exercise. It really is uh, a short burst of energy is what is what you are looking for. So even if you're able to go for a brisk walk to the end of the street and back, do some jumping jumping jacks, you know, five, 10 pushups, if that's something that you can do and just get your body moving and that will be very helpful. We're talking to Roxanne Francis from Toronto, Canada. And um, we're talking about mental health awareness. We're talking about suicide. We're talking about coping and dealing with everyday problems and, and challenges. Sometimes you can have a situation where you've gone through a major trauma and get through it and you're fine. And then something will happen, maybe a smell, something you see, maybe a word that someone says, and it can completely throw you for a loop. 
And the next thing you know, you're not yourself anymore. Can you suggest to anyone who has dealt with trauma and, you know, feels like, okay, I've, I've gone to therapy, I've gotten past this, but then something will happen and it triggers them and throws them completely off their game. Are there any suggestions that you can make for someone like that? The first thing I will say is that it's completely normal if you've gone through trauma. You know, um, it's those are symptoms of PTSD and it doesn't mean that you're going crazy. It just, this is your body's natural reaction to you living through the trauma and your body is trying to figure out if it's still safe, right? Mm -hmm. um, so what I would encourage you to do is if you are someone who enjoys writing, that you would try journaling. Journaling what has happened, journaling the flashback, the, the memory, uh, feeling like you are back in that situation. I would try doing so journaling and uh, remind yourself that you are no longer in that place. If you find yourself struggling with flashbacks or struggling, feeling like you're physically back in that place of trauma, you can try some what we call grounding techniques to pull you out of that memory and back into present day. And so there is a technique called 54321. And really it's, the, it's you concentrating on five things that you can see, four things that you can hear, three things that you can feel, two things that you can uh, smell and one thing that you can taste in the back of your throat. And so just you oh. concentrating on those five things will pull you out of that memory. Uh, you know, also I remind my clients, I challenge my clients to spell their name backward, right? Just the concentration of having to do that will yank you out of that place of the, the traumatic memory and back into present day. Uh, another thing that you can do is take your shoes off and just uh, really concentrate on the feeling of your feet on the ground. What does that feel like, right? Or if you are in a place where there's grass that you, that you have access to, take your shoes off and stand in the grass and just really close your eyes. I have a mindfulness moment where you can really feel what that sense, what that feels like and really grounding yourself in the present and pulling you up out of the traumatic memory. Wow, those are that is great advice. Because as you're talking, I'm sitting over here trying to like A I uh, B. <laughs> I can't I've never heard that, but you know what? I'm going to use that because I'm seriously like over here thinking like, how do I spell my name? You know, here in the United States, we're not like Canada where everybody can get health care and and. You know, here lately with the economy and everything that's going on and people have lost their health coverage. I hear this quite a bit. I can't get therapy because I can't afford it. I can't get therapy because the co-pays are too much or I can't get an appointment. What kind of suggestions do you make to folks that realize, yeah, I'm, I'm having some issues. I need to talk to somebody, but I don't have health insurance. If uh therapy is something that is inaccessible to you because of finances, I would encourage you to, you know, potentially talk to a trusted friend if possible. If you have someone in your life who is uh, a leader in your religious practice, uh, try to speak to that person. If that person is open to that, uh, be mindful as well. Some of these leaders might not have mental health training. So just find out if that's something that they can offer. Uh, I often suggest 
as I suggested about five minutes ago, I often suggest journaling. It's quite helpful because quite often when we have the thoughts all jumbled up in our brains, it becomes very, very overwhelming. And uh, sometimes if we don't have a place to express that, then, you know, we can spiral. So sometimes I often say that journaling is a therapist that doesn't talk back, right? It's a place to just unpack the thoughts particularly at nighttime before you go to bed, it can calm the racing thoughts. Getting movement, whether that's going for a walk, doing some stretches, going for a run. Uh, Yoga and Pilates are stretching and toning exercises that are very, very helpful in releasing the trauma that is stored inside your body. Uh, You know, cold water is very, very helpful uh, in terms of helping you be mindful and bringing you back into your present Uh, circumstance and being around people. Now that might be easier said than done for people with anxiety. But what I will say is that we live in such an individualized uh, era of life right now. And everyone is carrying everything all by themselves. When you are around people, when you can laugh, when you can dance, when you can cook together, when you can play with the kids, when you can color, these things may sound, may sound and seem really, really simple, but they do help you to have a whole and full and robust life and lead to a healthier, uh, a healthier mental state. Yeah, that isolation is a killer. And I, I don't mean it killer like in that, but it, it is just it, it, it can really, really make things worse. Because as you're closed in, you don't have anybody to talk to. You don't see it just seems like things are even worse than what they actually are. So sometimes you just really just need to get out, get out of wherever you are if you can. You know, my mother is 80, Lord, I think she's 86, 86 or 87. And I'm trying to get her to to go out and get involved because as you get older, it's harder and harder to make friends. So we're dealing with a, a entire generation or two of people that are isolated because they're elderly or they have health issues. Do you have any suggestions for any, you know, seniors out there that are listening that are feeling isolated? They're away from their kids or they've out, like my mom, she's outlived practically everybody. Any suggestions for folks like that who are dealing with that type of isolation and those feelings? Yeah, you know, uh, my mom is in her late 70s, you know, and she, as she's getting older, what I've encouraged her to do is, you know, Find that is there a senior citizen center that's in your neighborhood? Are there uh, excursions, bus trips that uh, that they take? Are there activities that they do together as a group, as a community? If there are recreational or community centers close to where you are, is it possible to find out? Do they have some kind of uh, water aerobics class or you know aquafit kind of program? Uh, some places will have programs where young people will come in and interact with the elderly. That is often quite fun, particularly for the elderly. And it's also helpful for the the younger person as well. Uh, Learning new things, like if you can learn to knit or learn to crochet or picking up a crossword, these are things that can help with the neuroplasticity of the mind and can prevent cognitive delay and cognitive decline. And if you can pick up a book and join a reading club or something like that. It helps you to create uh, relationships with other people who are around your age or maybe even a few years younger. 
and that can help with uh, taking care of your mental health as you age. You have shared so much important information. Someone's listening right now and they're like, you know what? I wonder if I could just reach out to Francis just for an email or if I can find her online. How can we find you? You're in the States or wherever you are. You can find me online. Uh, I am on social media all the time. I'm on Instagram at Francis Psychotherapy. You can find me on LinkedIn at Roxanne Francis. You can find me on my website, uh, Psychotherapy, and you can hit me up there. There is a contact us form. I would be happy to hear from anyone who is uh, listening to your podcast. This is wonderful. Uh, again, thank you so much for sharing all of this information. I'm telling you, I never, I haven't heard of the 5432 and I haven't heard the name backwards, but I'm going to be trying those. Are there any closing thoughts that you'd like to share with our audience today before you go? What I will say is we are living in an epidemic of loneliness. And as a result of that, we often feel this aloneness, this, this desperate feeling of this thing is only happening to me and it makes your mental health worse. And I will say to you that regardless of what it is that you're going through, please understand that you are not alone. There is at least another human on the face of this planet that is going through something similar, has gone through something similar and has, you know, gone over to the other side and, and, and they're thriving or have, you know, healed from that thing. So reach out and get some support. Uh, reach out and get some support from a place where you will not experience uh, shame and understand that you are not alone. There is help available. And there is life on the other side of depression. Yeah. I can, just, I can say that as from a personal, there is life on the other side. Uh, I feel lighter myself. I don't know why. I'm like, woo. Learn so much information. I just want to thank you so much. You know, my my feelings, my feelings were right on point because when I came across your information, I was like, yeah, she's the one. She's the one. I appreciate you more than I can express. You have no idea. You know, there could be somebody right now that you could have saved their life. And I'm hoping that everyone that is listening will share this podcast. This is probably one of the most important podcasts that I've done that hopefully will save somebody's life and help somebody who's suffering right now. Because sometimes that suffering, you just, ugh, you think if I could just stop feeling this way, I can make it, you know, I can make it. And sometimes people just don't see a way out. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing all the information. And I just wish you continued success with your career and everything that you do. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's been my pleasure. It is definitely my jam to share uh, mental health uh, tips and strategies and supports because we live in a world that needs it. So thank you so much for having me, Olivia. I appreciate it. Absolutely. That's going to do it for the Olivia Fox podcast. You guys, thank you so much for supporting this podcast. You know I love it. And remember, each and every Thursday, we have a brand new episode. We will talk again soon. The Olivia Fox Podcast is produced and hosted by Olivia Fox. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Get the Olivia Fox Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe, comment, and rate. Follow Olivia Fox on IG at Olivia Fox Radio. 
Follow the Mean Online Media Podcast Network at Mean Online Media. Get the Mean Online Media app in the App Store or on Google Play. The Olivia Fox Podcast is a Mean Online Media production. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo Fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.